So, Ryan, what did you think of The Witcher Season 3? Hmm. That's a good Geralt of Rivia there. Hello, interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. As you gathered from that intro, we are talking about The Witcher Season 3. Full spoilers ahead for the show. So, zooming into our medium shot now. What's your history with the Witcher franchise, and how hyped were you coming into season three? Uh, I remember, I remember when the the third game specifically first came out, and honestly, just seeing it everywhere, all over the internet, all over, you know, local video game stores. It was basically being plastered every which way, which rightfully so. It's an amazing game. Um, I'm just playing through it right now, but I was never. I don't know. For some reason, I just never really got into it uh, around that time because it's the type of game I would have loved when I was younger, too. I mean, it came out eight years ago. But maybe I was enthralled with another game. I don't I don't even remember. I can't even come up with a good excuse. So when the show adaptation was announced, I thought, oh, this might be a good jumping in point. And then I realized, or I didn't realize, I found out that it took place during a different time than the games. But I thought, hey, Henry Cavill's going to be in it, and I loved him as Superman. Um, He'll definitely do a great job as Geralt, from what I can tell from my limited knowledge, because he always goes 110% into projects he loves, especially the the Witcher franchise, which he's an avid fan of the books and the video games. excuse me so i remember watching the first season when first came out and i i was mixed on it and then after a few rewatches i started to like it and then season two i really loved uh just because they did things in chronological order (laughs) this time and then uh and then this season happened (laughs) so how about you joe as usual you pretty well summed up my thoughts i hadn't heard of the witcher until around the time Witcher 3 came out. Didn't really think much of it, because as recurring listeners know, I'm about 10 years behind on all games anyway. Okay, not 10 years, but I'm pretty bad with games. So I knew there was no realistic chance I was going to get to play Witcher 3. I heard it was good, brushed it aside. Then the Netflix show came out. Friends of mine who played The Witcher 3 were all excited about it, and I figured, okay, sure, this is... Maybe a good jumping off point for me as well. A lot of season one left me confused because of how they told it out of chronological order. I don't think I even realized till way too late, an embarrassingly long time into it, that it was actually three separate timelines. And that then it started making some kind of sense, but even then, not really. But I did enjoy it. And okay, so besides my friends, the other reason I did watch it was because of Henry Cavill. And I'm sure we'll we'll talk about the Henry Cavill of it all very soon. But I'm a huge fan of his, and he was a major draw for me coming into this show. Season one, okay. Season two, really enjoyed it, actually. It started actually picking it up. But The Witcher is one of those shows that I don't really think about when it's not on. It's one of those ones where, yeah, yeah, I enjoy it while I'm watching And then in that year-long gap between it, I haven't really thought about season two since 
just like I didn't think about season one after that finished. It's just kind of the show that I like watching when it's on and yeah, but it doesn't really stick with me. So I kind of expected season three to be the same way. And in many ways it was, but in many ways I, I still liked it. So let's get a newer close up and get into detail on this. I think it would be good to address the elephant in the room first and talk about the departure of Henry Cavill, which for my money really took the wind out of the sails of this season. And I think Mm -hmm. it's the reason definitely a lot of the fan base wasn't as excited going into this year because they, I don't know why they felt the need to announce Henry Cavill was going to be departing this show before this season came out. Because I feel like whatever viewership decline they got for this year was in large part due to that. People I read even, somewhere it was 23, 23%. Yeah. Which I'm sure decline, over the life of a show that tends to happen. It's season three and maybe people didn't love season two. And okay, fine. A lot of the fan base maybe would just naturally decline. But I think this was an artificial decline brought specifically on by the fact that your star, who is a huge draw of the show, was said to not be returning after this. So people say, what's the point? He's my main reason for investment. Why am I even going to bother with season three if my favorite part of the show isn't continuing past? I may as well just cut ties here. Well, if I recall, it wasn't the studio that released the news. It was Henry himself who did it first. But he would and have to had... to me, that shows, like, a huge red flag on what was to come up during the season. Not that anything terrible happened during the season, but it was just him basically saying, hey, this production and the people behind it is not up to snuff of what I agreed to. And... Take it with a grain of salt, people, but he's probably the leading expert on the Witcher stuff since he is an avid fan of it and just an actual expert. He has been known to politely, of course, correct people on set about what happens here and there. Um, And yes, he would have had to have permission from the studio to release that information. Yeah. But for them to just allow it to happen before the season even comes out is really strange. And that's what I'm saying. I don't understand why the marketing team thought this was okay. Or maybe they were really cocky and thought, oh, by this point, people will have... Anyone who jumped on for Henry Cavill is just staying for the show, so maybe they won't mind if we announce the recast early, which it's Liam Hemsworth, and they clearly had that in mind already. Things had been going on behind the scenes. The fact that Cavill announced his departure so far in advance of the show, and they already announced the recast before season three, his departure had been in the works for a while. So I guess they figured, yeah, why drag it out even more? I don't know. Weird decision all around. But I'd also like to say, and I think we've talked about this on the show before, but Henry Cavill got screwed in this deal because he signed on for The Witcher as a huge fan of it, And I believe he said at the time the show started that he would be willing to see it through to the end as long as the quality was there and they paid respect to the source material 
he was a big fan of the show, really wanted to see it succeed. And I know a lot of fans of the Witcher books haven't been happy with this series for how it depicted the stories. They felt it took too many liberties with the material. They also assumed Henry Cavill was upset just like they were. And people even think that he kind of hinted towards that in interviews, tried to warn people. Yeah, it's not not really a faithful adaptation, but he was a professional about it, stuck through it. But a lot of people also theorize his dissatisfaction with the way the showrunners handled this show was what led him to take Superman back when DC offered it to him for Black Adam. Oh, great. I get to be in a bigger franchise for Warner Bros., get to be Superman, get to be the lead of uh, an even longer-lasting brand. More faces will see me. It's the role that made my name. I'm a fan of that, too. Fantastic. Let's be Superman again. And then he got fired from that, too. So he quit The Mm -hmm. Witcher to be Superman, got fired from Superman, totally got left in the lurch here. And he bounced back with an announcement that he's going to be doing an adaptation of Warhammer for OK. I don't know anything about that uh, franchise personally, but I wish him the best of luck. I'm a huge Cavill fan. I will watch that when it comes out because I know he's going to pour every ounce of his passion into it, just like he's done for Superman and The Witcher. The problem with Henry Cavill is that he loves the material more than the material loves him. He He's failed by the writers every time he signs on for something he thinks he's going to love. And I just feel so mm-hmm. bad for the guy because I know how much he cares. And I'm just yeah. sick and tired of seeing him get screwed over. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely sad with that. And there are. I mean, there's always rumors about the showrunners not really caring about the source material. There is that, I don't know his name, sadly, I should have probably looked into it more, but one of the main head writers for season one left afterwards because uh, uh, he's his claim was because the showrunners actually scoffed at the source material and that he said, like, quote, people won't care. Like, they don't care that much about these books or something like that. Just something just very dismissive about it, which, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It's a disgruntled employee talking about uh, (laughs) their boss, their ex-bosses who they don't like. But, you know, I would tend to believe that uh, that disgruntled employee. Just because, you know, they're the ones really doing all the work. Normally, in Hollywood, when there's not strikes going on, producers like to come in and change things in a script or on set because, hey, they're paying the big bucks for it, right? They're paying for everything. Except you're just... What producers fail to understand is that they're just there to provide the money, not there to provide the actual fucking creative element towards it. You hire these people to do the creative element. Let them do their job. That's why you have so many things happening with, you know, people wanted the Snyder cut. People want the David Ayers cut. The director of Fan 4 Stick was very upset with the studio because it was heavily edited down. Yeah, and he said his version was one of the best movies he's ever worked on. Do I believe him? No. But (laughs) (laughs) a lot of, that's what a, a big fear of, 
mine and a lot of, uh, I would say a lot of my friends is who are in the industry is a lot of studio interference when trying to create something that you are passionate about. Yeah. So I have a quote here from Lauren Hisrich, who's the showrunner for The Witcher. And in response to the accusations that the writer's room openly mocked the material, she says, I, I never mocked the books. The books are my entire livelihood. I have a great relationship with Mr. Sapowski, the writer of The Witcher, and the writer's rooms are sacred and safe and, more than anything, supportive spaces. Don't believe everything you read. Which you can, you can take what she's saying at, at face value, but also for fans who have read The Witcher books, the show does take a lot of liberties with it. So she's saying one thing, the fans are seeing her work speak very differently. Uh, she's clearly putting her own spin on things. I haven't read the books myself. I know nothing about them. I am no kind of authority on The Witcher, so I just have to take the show for what I'm seeing. And to be frank, I do like what I'm seeing a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to, I'm watching it as a critic of The Witcher season three Netflix show. I'm not taking it. I have no biases towards The Witcher. I haven't played the games. I haven't read the books. The show is all I've got going for it. So I just have to judge it for what I'm seeing here. So I, I can't say, I can't critique it for its adherence to the source material. I don't know. I just know that a lot of people hate the show maybe unfairly because it deviates from the source material sometimes pretty strongly. And, you know, in most other cases, I'd agree. If I loved something that strongly and saw a poor adaptation of it, which believe me, I have many, many times, that does tend to be a factor in my critique. So if you think I'm being too lax on it today as a fan of The Witcher, sorry, <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you other mm -hmm. than my feelings about this show are just based on the show. Right. Well, yeah. from what I know, like the first two Witcher books are mostly contrived or short stories. And Geralt is in a lot of those short stories. And then the rest of the series, it becomes more about Geralt. Uh, Yennefer and uh, Siri, but yeah, I, again, like I, I didn't read the books either. I'm not the biggest book guy. I'm trying to get better at it. Uh, but yeah, it's you know from what I watched in season one and two, in terms of what I was looking for, in terms of story and spectacle, I was met with, you know, a decent project. I wouldn't yeah. say it's phenomenal. There's definitely some glaring issues, but they did pretty decent. You know what? We talked enough about behind-the-scenes drama right now. Let's get into the season itself. Okay. It's mad. Talk. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought it had a decent start with episode one, where we see Geralt, Ciri, and Yennefer on the run from Amir and Redania. And all the forces after them, they're just bouncing from town to town, staying in their own little family unit. Geralt and Yennefer are still at odds after Yennefer tried to sacrifice Ciri last season. But Ciri and Yennefer have a bond. Ciri's kind of the in-between uh, of them both. And I love this burgeoning family dynamic that they had. Mm-hmm. 
and that's to me one of the biggest strengths of season three is for whatever I thought of season one and two, I did enjoy them, but I was routinely infuriated by the fact that Geralt, Siri, Yennefer, and Yaskier were kept apart for seemingly no good reason. And my favorite part of the show was seeing these actors play off each other and their chemistry together, and then they were consistently ripped apart. So the fact that season three has our four main leads routinely interacting with each other in fresh environments and and new parts of the story, it, it was very satisfying for me as someone who's been following the show from the beginning to finally get to see these relationships bear more fruit and, and pay off in ways I never expected. Just even even later in the season, seeing like Siri and Yaskier talking a lot more. I'm like, hey, these two barely interacted before. This is fantastic. So to finally see that family unit, Geralt's the the father, Yennefer's the mother. She even acknowledges Siri as her daughter multiple times. That all Yennefer ever wanted was a child, and now she's finally got the chance to be a mother. She's screwed up with Siri in the past, but now's her time to finally live up to what she always wanted to be. And Ciri's also pulled Geralt out of his loner state and made him made him uh take take stock of the world and see I'm losing my train of thought. At the end of the show, he declares that he's no longer neutral. And neutrality's been a big thing for him the entire season. They make a pretty big point of that. Everyone wants him to join a side and he constantly refuses. What what do I have to do with all these political machinations of the continent? I'm just here to defend Siri. And then Amir allegedly captures Siri and then well the neutrality's off now. He's he's against anybody who is against Siri. He fights for her no matter who how many enemies he's got to make to do it. And Yaskier is always, you know, Yaskier is being kind of used as a political ploy, uh, as a as a um, as a pawn by Redania, by Radovid and Dijkstra and Philippa at the beginning. And I did like how he he never betrayed Geralt. It nearly seemed yeah, like he was gonna. I was really scared. Yeah, and I just like how he the next time he sees Geralt, he's like, oh, oh yeah, this is what they want me to do. Are you okay with that? And Geralt's like, no. Yaskier's like, okay, then I'll back off. I was just, this was a potential avenue I was playing, and uh, it didn't work. I like that. It it subverted yeah. my expectations in a good way. Yeah, so, that was definitely one of the kind of the highlights for part one, was not making Yaskier just kind of traitor. a cliche. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I really liked Yaskier this season. Um I liked when it's and I agree with you when it's all three of them. I mean, four of them, I guess the core four, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but really, when it's Geralt, Siri, and Yennefer together, it's it's off the charts. I think it's definitely yes. the highlight highlight of the show. I was off on the casting of well, I wasn't off on the casting of Siri. I was off on the writing of Siri in season one because, and to be fair, she's supposed to be a bratty princess, but. I think I've seen too many bratty children in media over over the years. Yeah. But uh, as the show went on, their chemistry really shined. And I think the casting of those 
four uh, actors is really was some of the best that they've ever done. I yes. bet they've done, they did, I bet they hired Henry Cavill and then they did, you know, tens of thousands of chemistry reads with different types of actors, yes. you know, and it just sucks that this season to me feels so much like the setup for the next one. It's all set up basically. Usually in terms of television, season three is not really a setup season. It's usually season four. You get like the first three seasons of a show and those get more and more epic. And then the third season, something insane happens. And then you do set up for the next one. Or yes, they do something epic in this season and we'll get to it. But then they add on an additional two epilogue episodes. Which kind of just sucked the fun out of it. It just really sucked the overall quality out of the show for me. And then, well, I'll tell you we're what. We're just kind of left with going, okay, that's it. I watched the making of Witcher season three documentary on Netflix after I finished season three, and I believe it was Lauren Hisrich who described why they laid the season out that way. So the big moment we're talking about in the middle was the siege of Eratusa, when the, uh whatever they're called, the uh, Nilfgaardians. Guardians. Uh, when the Nilfgaardians were invading Eratusa. The reason they put that as about episode six and then had a couple other in their mind was it would be predictable to have this big blowout battle end the season and end on a cliffhanger. But they felt it would be a more interesting decision to have this big blowout battle and then have a couple episodes to delve into the repercussions of it. See, end the season on more of a low note, mind you, but get a couple episodes to see how it affected the characters after the fact. I think Tissaia and Yennefer were the main ones who fell out from that. But we also see a lot of, like, like Geralt got his back broken, has to heal up. Yaskier's kind of just looking for Geralt. Ciri gets trapped in the desert and potentially captured. Um, Vilgefortz runs off to Amir, uh, Tissaia and Yennefer, they go out, and the other witches, they go after, uh, those Siri-looking girls in the castle, Tissaia commits suicide, Yennefer and the other, uh, mages have to form their new collective. We're setting up, those last couple episodes served to set up the new status quo in a way that I think probably, so now we can hit the ground running in season four, which I think is... A little bit boring now, maybe, but I think it's better if the show does end up going still. I have heard it's on indefinite hiatus, and it might not even come back for season four now. There are rumors swirling, but if it does, season four can just get going. So it was a smart decision. It'll be considered a smart decision in hindsight, I think, to do it the way they did it. I hear what you're saying, but it wasn't smart to make it a two-parter. Well, the first episode, mind you, sucked. The one with Siri in the desert, I hated that one. No, part two started with the the uh, Eratusa fight. Um, yeah. Well, okay. What do you? What I'm talking about the two after that, the, like Eratusa. No, fight I'm talking and, about the Witcher season three part one that came yeah. out in June, and then Witcher season three part two that came out in July. 
I okay. think yeah. it I didn't, was... I watched it all together. I don't really know about the part oh, okay. one or two. I, I saw the first, like, half of part one, and then I basically just watched the last half of the season. I didn't really pay attention okay. to which episodes were in each block. So part one was episodes one through five, and then part two was episodes six uh, through eight. And yeah. episode five is the cliffhanger of, oh, it wasn't Stragabor that was doing all this to the young witches to make them look like Syria was Vilgefortz. And then we wait a whole month for this epic battle. And episode six, I actually really liked. It was really it was, awesome. It was the best one. And then they just give you like two epilogue, two epilogue stuff. And that's it, what I'm talking the reason about I'm so like, week. I'm so miffed about the way the season ended is specifically because Henry Cavill is leaving. He's gone. He's your main draw to most for most of the audience he's the main draw to this show whether you want to admit to it or not and to have him kind of go out not in a shitty way i mean it is he in the a cool books fight. he fights he fights with vilgefortz and he gets his ass kicked which is great but to but to me that is the perfect opportunity to say hey his face got fucked up we got to fix it. Yeah. I wonder how we'll fix it, but they don't. And instead we get him sort of having a dark Knight rises. I thought the same healing thing. montage dark Knight rise. I specifically wrote dark Knight rises in my notes. Cause that, and then you get this annoying little archer who I don't know if she's a character in the books. I'm, I'm iffy on, you know, criticizing actors, but I feel like this was more of a directing standpoint, but whenever she talks, it is criticism with, of Geralt. And she's and like, be dead. you don't know what, you don't know what we've been into. He's like, oh, you'd be dead. through just like, you don't know what the fuck this man's been through. Who the fuck are you? We don't know your story yet. But yeah, you ran away from people who tried to kill you and you hid in the forest for who knows how long. I'm going to assume over 10 years. And then when you see, I brought this up to you after the podcast we talked about, Geralt's last fight is basically at this medieval toll booth against the Nilf Guardians to go and find Ciri. Yep. And then she shows up, not to save him at the last minute because he would have been fine anyway, but she shows up to join him. And immediately I'm like, no. First of all, you're taking away Henry Cavill, and now you're going to make me watch more of this annoying character? No. I know exactly how her character is going to play out as season four happens. Yasker's going to tell a joke, and then she's going to be dismissive the entire time. I don't think she'll ever warm up, because that's just the way her character has been set up. Right. And you could have just ended it on this epic, what could happen? What's going to happen with Geralt? And it would have made sense if... Say there are, in the future, eight seasons of this show, like they planned. It will be just way more fluid for people who don't know the drama years later. Because, you know, say, if you went with uh, Geralt's face gets messed up in season three, and then you jump to season four, and they're fixing his face, and then it's Liam Hemsworth. You're like, oh, that's weird. I wonder... That's It's a completely different actor, but it works in the story. Where here, it's he's walking, he's like, I tell Ymir, I'm coming for him. It's like, okay, start season four, it's a completely different guy. What the fuck happened? They said Takes it was you right out be, of it. 
They said it was going to be a seamless transition, quote unquote. Bullshit. I don't know how that's going to play out. Uh, I'm still curious to see how they handle it. In my ideal headcanon, they don't even acknowledge it. He's just a new guy now, and that's fine. We don't need a story reason for it. Anyone who read up the behind the scenes knows Henry Cavill left Liam Hemsworth's in. Don't acknowledge it. Just, just move past it. Otherwise, you're just wasting valuable screen time. I'll tell you uh, what's it, wasting valuable screen time. See you in a desert for 48 minutes. Oh, that was awful. <laughs> and I look, I understand what they were going for with that. <sighs> they wanted to. Okay, fine. They gave us a little bit of Yaskier and Geralt at the beginning and the ending just to see what's going on with them. A little bit of follow up. Geralt's just healing up. Not much is happening with him. And they really the want us drawn. And they really want us to feel the the isolation, the hopelessness, the pure drag of Siri going through the desert, trying to survive, palling around with a unicorn, losing her mind potentially, hearing these visions from that lady Falca, uh, having to eat lizards, get sick, find oasis in the desert. It's just doing it this way was meant for us to feel the slog series feeling but the problem is it is a slog and we have no no respite from it it's just over half an hour of siri wandering in the desert and i've seen movies and shows where characters wander the desert before it's not how much it's not that original what they're doing with it it's not like there's anything so crazy i've never seen before in these in this episode it's just boring and yeah. there's no, and there's like, and it would have been okay. Once again, if you had anything else to break it up where it's just, okay. And now we're back to Siri wandering the desert. What's she doing now? But it's just relentless, which I understand <laughs> is the point, but it also sucks. So it's, I see what you were going for, but it didn't work. Exactly. I'm again, again, it's, it just fails to end on. It didn't have to be epic. I'm not saying it had to be epic, but it just failed to keep audiences engaged. I think I almost fell asleep three times watching that episode. And yeah. it really sucks because I think the Siri actress did a pretty decent job showing Freya that she Allen. was struggling in the desert. Yes, Freya Allen. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I saw a meme where they compared her eating the lizards to the lizard in holes. The yellow spotted lizards. <laughs> it's like, don't eat them. They're poisonous. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but yeah. And then the way they end the show on her, where she go, she's with this new group of people because she got captured by this random. I can't, and I can't tell if she's on a different place in the continent or if she is on a completely different world. She's on a different place. But she on the basically continent. says, yeah, but she just basically says, call me Falca and then ends there. And I'm like, well, it's going to be a whole season of her. Not with Gellert again. I'll tell you that much. It's not going to be them reuniting in episode one or two. It's going to be them maybe reuniting in episode eight. Yeah, and I heard that the books do kind of go that way too, where Siri does end up on her own for a long period of time. In the book, she ends up on her own a lot. <laughs> yeah. I don't really want to see that. I know that they already 
deviated from the source material. I just want to see her with Geralt and get the family back together. I'd rather they fast forward through the parts. Yeah. I know Witcher fans will be upset by that, but I, I don't care. I just want to see them together sooner rather than later. Even if season four is the journey to find her. And now Yennefer is going to be separated from them too. Like Geralt and Yaskier are together. Great. But now they're all separated again, which is yeah. extremely frustrating. Which maybe that's the point of season three. We finally get a season of them all together to love them all so much and want to see them together so desperately. Season four is supposed to be like. Do we see them all together? Or are they all together for episode one and then they split apart in episode two for a bullshit reason? Okay, but we do get to see them pair up a lot. <laughs> we get to see Geralt, Siri, and Yennefer all together for a while. We get to see. We kind of see them in pairs of two and three, but at least they, yeah. they're interacting with other people than just Siri and Geralt the whole time or Siri and Yennefer the whole time. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just, I'm not, I don't hate the season. I'm just a little disappointed because I feel like the quality has dropped significantly. I mean, when they reunite, first of all, they got the episode title wrong. They got the quote wrong in season, in episode seven. I know it's because it's a play on words. The place is called In the Frying Pan, and it's titled Out of the Fire Into the Frying Pan. But that's not the quote. God damn it. It's a cute play on words. It's not cute. It's wrong. Anyway. Of course it's wrong. Uh, just it's like called the, the, the anyway, fire. The fire. When was they when, reunite, you know, the, the chandelier. I don't care came down on Eratusa, they burned the place to the smithereens, and then the desert's called the frying pen. Out of the fire into the frying pen. Ha <laughs> ha. Stupid. Anyway. Uh, but when they reunite again, all three of them, uh, after the, I believe the Wild Hunt makes their cameo appearance, there's just a random hard cut to Siri and Geralt hugging. And to me, that just didn't sit well. In terms of just it was film weird. quality, it was a very strange, just hard cut. And I immediately was just kind of like, oh, that's so strange. And another thing that kind of um, made me go, that was weird and made me scared for the season was Geralt's first fight with a bunch of bandits trying to get Siri outside one of their homes. And yeah, clearly yeah. the last guy, they slow it down a little bit. And you can clearly see that the blood splat is fake. And it's not even the fact that you can have CGI blood splats, but they don't even try to make it look like the guy got stabbed at all. So part of me was like, oh, no, in terms of what the choreography was going to be like for the show. But it wasn't bad. I thought it was pretty decent. I thought the choreography was great for most of it. Mm -hmm. It was it was really well done. I, I love how this show actually shows long takes because Henry Cavill is. Yeah legitimately good at sword fighting so they or at least stage fighting i don't know about real combat but he he actually is doing his own stunts so you can see these long takes of the actors actually fighting mm -hmm. and it's awesome there's a real good energy to it and momentum in the scenes that you usually lack because you're trying to cut around actors who don't know what they're doing to their stunt doubles they just get to show what's happening well, I make fun of the toll booth ending a lot, but at least that fight was choreographed pretty well. I was like, okay, he gets at least one more decent fight before he leaves. But yeah, I thought the choreography was pretty good. I didn't hate it. Um, 
Yeah. Just watching the behind the scenes, though, that camera guy is a legend. You see him oh, running around the entire, the entire thing, just getting to see what that guy had to do. He had to be really yeah. in shape for it. And uh, the choreographer mm-hmm. is amazing, too, on this yeah. show. That's, that's one thing I'll give this show. The fights are great. And the CGI is really good, too. This is one of the few things, like, usually I'm disappointed in CGI, but the, the monsters still look good in this show. They, mm-hmm. They're all... I yeah. also liked seeing the behind the scenes of how they had him fight the monsters. I thought it was really interesting how um, there's that one scene when he was fighting that flesh monster in the castle that's just the bodies of those girls. Yeah, that and was in, wild. And the behind the scenes show that it was just couple girls in green screen suits basically whacking Henry Cavill with pool noodles. <laughs> and that, but it, it, it gave him something physical to fight against. He wasn't just mm-hmm. slashing his sword against the air. He was actually, he was reacting yeah. to something real on set, which is awesome. And that's how they got it to look so good. Yeah, I've seen a critique where there was a lack of monster hunting in this season, but also that wasn't the focus of the season. So I'm kind yeah. of impartial to it, but they still gave us decent amount of monster fights. Uh, there's I only there was only one that more. I could say was great, which was uh, Geralt and Siri on the boat. Yeah. But yeah. I also saw Henry Cavill talk about it in that making of documentary. And he said that was choreographed in a way where Geralt was letting Siri do most of the work in that battle trying mm-hmm. to oh, let yeah. her use the skills he taught her. But he does say there were a couple moments specifically where the thing definitely would have landed a killing blow against Siri, and Geralt subtly just blocks it or knocks it out of the way. Like, what Geralt's doing in that battle, he's playing support, letting his pupil play out her skills, oh, no, but making sure she that, doesn't yeah. die. Very mm-hmm. subtle work there, but really well done. Yeah. That was the highlight battle for sure. Mm-hmm. I think just another thing that this show, I think just overall, it's trying to do so much at once. It's trying to give so many different side plots. And yes, they all have the same goal. They want Siri because of her power and yada, yada, yada. She is the chosen one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it re- it, I, for me, it was really confusing for this season. I don't know if it's because I hadn't watched the other seasons in a while. Yeah. But it was like, okay, this king wants Siri. These two mages want Siri. The whole conclave of mages want Siri. Geralt and Yennefer are running away with Siri. Five other people want Siri. And you're just like, okay. Like, I get it. Like, Siri is important. But to keep up with all these people's names and all their like their plots and how they want to get them. And to me, it's just, it's, they're trying to do that Game of Thrones level type of storytelling without really setting up, well, it's kind of tough to say, but just really having the audience care about most of these side plots. Like there's the Elven side plot and their whole population of, they're dying off and they're trying to fight for, just for survival. But they every time they bring them up in each season, they're thrown away for like three more episodes. So you don't see them again. And then they randomly show up in the big final battle. It, it's just weird. Yeah. I thought the most potential for the Alvin story this year was Robbie Amell as mm-hmm. a Gallatin. And then they just kill him yeah. off, which was shocking. 
I, I thought like him and Kihir had a good relationship and then they just I thought him. they were gonna kiss. <laughs> well, maybe. They were uh, they were queer baiting so bad. <laughs> I thought Kahir was a pretty big standout this year because I liked seeing him come back from his lowest point, get some redemption with his boss. He had to kill one of his best friends that uh the elf. He was manipulating everybody the whole time. And when Siri finally got a revenge against him, he's like, Hey, hey, I'm actually sorry and on your side and I was just I was just I basically did all this just to tell you I'm sorry and my life is in your hands now. I'm in your service. Which was an interesting twist. It wasn't it kind of plays on your series expectations yeah. of him as well, as this uh as just henchman for Amir who doesn't really have his own ploy in mind. He's just a military guy. What's he gonna do? That but he's scene played out playing. very weird though. Where I it was I was into it. Where it was like my life's in your hands and I'll and so just like please kill me, let it be done with. And I was like, Siri, kill him. And then these random bandits show up and then he goes, I'll find you later. It's just basically like, just kill me later. It's like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> Well, no, what that was, but that was Nilfgaardian soldiers who showed up and he ran over to hold them off. Was it? Escaped. Yeah. It didn't look like Nilfgaardian soldiers. It looked like a bunch of random bandits. Well, Nilfgaard was attacking Eratusa at the time. It was They weren't the armor soldiers, though. So- I don't so to know. me, it just looked like random people. So, they were on Eratusa. Yeah, but there was again, there was two different attacks. So there was the Nilfgaards who were with the elves, but then there was also before they attacked, it, there was the uprising with the Rodanians or Rodanians, whatever. Yeah. The, yeah, with those people too. So they had uh, their yeah, own yeah. people as well. The Rodanians were um, there too. Which I like that twist. I like that there was a bunch of people trying to take over the Conclave for. And the reason I like this story element was because there was only, <laughs> there wasn't that much going on. There was, okay, the Rodanians want to take over the Conclave because they feel the mages are failing them. And uh, especially with Siri, they want to use Siri as a pawn, but sort of protect her. The Nilfgaardians come in, they fucking hate magic. They want to destroy it. They don't like uh, mages whatsoever. So they come in to destroy it. And then this insane battle goes on. Epic. Um, yeah. So for me, it was I was willing to wait a little bit to see that battle, um, because it did end in an epic way. I and you know it was a highlight of the season for sure. All the uh, especially with slaughtered. Yeah, a bunch of them do, except of course the main <laughs> characters we've known since season one. But hey. Yeah. That's TV. Uh, the Philgefort's fight was well choreographed with him and Geralt. I liked Philgefort's sort of story throughout the series because he's always been a bit shady, especially from season one when he just randomly kills an injured mage at the end of a battle. And then I don't remember what happens in season two, but I think he does something shady again. Right. And nobody um, trusts him except Isaiah. But her yeah. word counts for more than anybody else's, so... Mm-hmm. Like, well, Vilgefortz is a little bit creepy. No, but I trust him. Okay, good enough for me. Okay. And then, um, what else happens in that episode? A lot happens. Oh, that was another, it was weird. I was like, I had a gripe with part one, but then they fixed it in part two, where the fire mage, uh, Rience, Rience 
They had him in episode one. Geralt breaks his hands and instead of just murdering him right there, just fucks off in the portal. And the whole, yeah. and the whole like, uh, I guess, reason for that is because Yennefer was in trouble. But like, it doesn't take that long to snap a man's neck if you're a witcher, I would assume. But he then a sword. he could just cut his head off like he did yeah. later in the season. I thought it was exactly. so funny that he just like Rian shows up six. to Siri like this badass threat. He's like, I don't work for anybody. I'm going to take you. And then Geralt just comes up. I thought him it was a really him. cool moment because uh, Yennefer throws the sword past him and then Geralt catches it and then cuts his head off. I was like, oh, OK. Didn't expect that. That was nice. cool. Yeah, I thought that character outlived his welcome anyway. Oh, for sure. He's been a consistent threat since season one. It's like, okay, just get rid of this guy. Was he, so yeah, I don't even mind seeing him just beheaded unceremoniously. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was just kind of an annoyance. And then the same, uh, I think in the same episode, or was I, yeah, in the same episode, they got rid of his, like, mage partner, who the girl who can't speak. Lydia? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what would we do with her? Just murder her. <laughs> I was like, thank you, Yennefer. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Yennefer killed her. That's too. what you should do for with characters who are bad and not like, hmm, well, morally gray areas. Like, no, how about you murder the people who try to kill you? That episode was basically, uh, our cast is a little big. Let's just let's clear house here. Yeah, exactly. And then the rest of the season was let's let's kill a few more mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Like And the rest uh, of the season was actors being like, hey. Henry's leaving. That's not a good sign. So I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to. Yeah. Uh, I thought the most shocking one was to mm-hmm. uh committing suicide after after the battle and then basically just hands leadership off to Yennefer. Like, well, I've I've done all I can. I've lost the will to live. The person I trusted most betrayed me and everything I've worked my whole life to build has been left to rubble around me. I tapped into some dark magics. I'm just, I'm feeling awful all around and I I just don't want to live anymore. But she kind of gives Yen just enough hope to keep going on and then shocks her with that suicide. And, and me too. I didn't, yeah. like, I, I thought that, like, yeah, she was clearly depressed, but I didn't think she'd go that far. And Yen didn't either. Yeah, it's you weird. Mean, because to me, it didn't feel the way it was story structured. And it is in the books. I just looked it up. She does okay. take her life after the coup. But to me, I just was like, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy that she was in that state of mind. Just because right before it happens, she's looking over battle plans or like bat- battle reports that happen throughout the, the continent. And yeah, yeah you know. When you're in that state of mind, you try to distract yourself. But to me, there wasn't really a setup of, hey, this woman is in turmoil. I know she's hurt, but the reason she's hurt is because she was lightning bolting people for like 30 minutes straight and it changed her entire hair color. Mm. But to me, I never saw her be like emotionally distraught. I didn't see it in away some actors overact and oh I'm gonna break down crying and make a huge show of how sorry for myself I'm feeling and I'm just in this really broken place to me what uh, what's the actress's name uh Miana Burning Burning what she did in the next episode was way more subtle 
Everyone thinks she's okay because she basically says nothing, but you look in her eyes, it's just dead. This is clearly a woman who's lost the will to live. She barely speaks up anymore. She used to be this super confident figure, a real leader. Now she basically says nothing and is just a shell of her former self existing in the background, kind of just being dragged along by Yennefer and the other mages at this point because they're loyal to her. They're, of course, we're going to bring Tisea along, but she's not invested anymore. Even when she's looking over those battle plans, I think it's only because Yennefer was in the room with her. I don't think she was no, really she doing... walked in. She walked okay. in and she was looking him over. That's why I was like, that's weird. Yeah. It's just everything about her after that moment was so half-hearted. I didn't expect a suicide, but it also didn't shock me either. But I thought, and that felt like a real tragedy to me because throughout this season, I'd really started growing on uh to say i really started liking that character even more and you know she's kind of yennefer's mother figure and now that yennefer's being a mother to siri she she needs a little more motherly guidance herself so it's it is once again playing on this theme of family dynamics so prevalent mm-hmm. throughout the season and to see her go i i felt that that loss as a watcher and also my empathy for Yen went really strongly as well because I know how strongly she felt that too. And, you know, that, that yeah. made me really sad as well. But what I liked about it also after the fact is when she tells Geralt about it and Yennefer admit that she's angry at Tisea for killing herself for seemingly no reason. It's like, well there was so much more to do we the survivors needed her guidance and wisdom and she she let us down she let her own grief consume her and and killed herself leaving the rest of us to fend for ourselves and yeah maybe in her mind she said well i raised you all to be self-sufficient and i know you can handle this without me but they still feel like they can't and they feel like she abandoned them now and so it's a very complex situation and I totally got where Yen was coming from. She felt abandoned, but also understood at the same time. And she just had this conflict of emotions. It's very compelling drama. I thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think Yen's reaction to it was better than most. I just didn't feel like it was earned. Not the, not her reaction, but the actual setup for the suicide itself. I don't know. I just, it felt, it felt really off to me. It didn't, and it wasn't, I don't even want to, because it is in the books, it wasn't done for shock factor's sake. I just, I don't know. I would have liked to have seen, I don't even know what I would like to have seen, (laughs) but maybe just, I don't, I didn't need the same thing on paper. Yeah. I didn't need to see like the actress break down crying, but just maybe her having like a moment to herself, just like contemplating the fuck happened. I don't know. But there's also a lot of shit we got to get through. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, it, well, it's like I was saying with her, to me, pivoting to a Suicide slightly different Suicide by narration thing, is what happened. Right. Pivoting slightly to what I was saying before, I think The Witcher Season 3 is mostly about the bonds of non-blood family. You have Geralt, Ciri, and Yen as a family. Tisea acting as Yen's mother figure. I think it's also a metaphor that the Brotherhood is trying to reunite itself in the wake of a greater threat, Brotherhood and family as well. You also get a lot of family things between the King of Redania and Radovid, those that brother 
kind of dynamic as well. Um, Dijkstra and Philippa, their bond is also strengthened throughout this season as well. It's it's about the bonds of non-blood family and what they're all... Will- oh yeah, and Amir is trying to get Siri, his daughter, back. It's about what they're all... The lengths they're all willing to go to for for their relations and each other and who they're willing to fight for that. And I think that that's what I took away from this season. And I thought they executed those themes pretty well, if that's what they were going for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Rodania stuff is very interesting in terms of just uh, <clears throat> like their whole story plot because they are one of the main northern uh, cities still standing or kingdoms still standing against the Nilfgaardians. Yep. And uh, that whole dynamic between the brother and um, Radovid is really interesting uh, just to kind of see the origins of that because, yes, I'm playing Witcher 3 right now and spoilers for the end of the season, <laughs> but Radovid becomes king and seeing his start and then to where he is now is very interesting. He's a lot more colder in the game and a lot right. more sort of... Uh, seems like he's off his rocker. Well, <laughs> in right. without trying to give too much away. Well, season three, he's very much this sort of laid back kind of guy. Um, he is a bit of he has his own spy network, but he doesn't try to fuck over people. He's, but it's all an act, really. He just yeah. he's he's the king's younger brother who nobody really thinks a lot of. He mm-hmm. kind of plays the public drunk and playboy just so everyone underestimates him. And doesn't mm-hmm. see him as a threat. But Philippa and Dijkstra and, and uh, Yaski are all kind of see beyond his mask. Yeah. And they're like, no, you got a lot more potential than you're letting on. I think you need to embrace that a little bit more and get out of your brother's shadow. Mm-hmm. And that's why it was fun. Like, Philip, I love how Philippa totally doubted him at the start, too. Yeah. She had, she thought he was exactly what he portrayed himself to be. But it was her in the end who got the king's throat sliced and put him in as king because she knew he could do the job better than his brother. So she came around on him a lot by the end after seeing what he could do this season. So I liked how that arc played out. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I'm just, again, it's so hard remembering all these names Yeah, from, uh, from the show just because so much is happening. But Dijkstra and Philippa, their relationship with Radovid, the setup for it I, is interesting because there's a whole arc with both of them uh, in the game that I don't want to spoil. That I haven't even finished yet, but now I understand the hatred that Radovid has for Philippa. Uh, right. And I guess right. Dijkstra, and I guess all three of them have for each other, except I don't know yet the connection between Dijkstra and Philippa. Um. I should bring up Triss, though. Yeah. Because Triss it's weird. Um, she is an integral part to The Witcher 3, as she is the one of two choices you have in that game for a love interest. Yeah. And it's, it's so strange because the way it works is events happened after the books, and that's where the game, or during the books, and then after that is when the games are set. And basically, the only thing we'll say, Geralt loses his memory, yada, yada, yada. 
mm-hmm. and then ends up with Triss. And a huge critique of the character of Triss is that she used, she even admits it in the third game that she took advantage of Geralt in that state because she, you know, was in love with him. All right. Uh, and in the books, she's not really a character in terms of she's not a potential love interest in the books at all. Yeah, she has that this sort of the show either. Yeah, uh, she is sort of the side character um, for the mages. And a lot of people took critique with that from the show because there's again, there's the video game uh, fans yeah. going for it. But if you're going for like a one for one adaptation, which, of course, the show's not doing, but is taking its liberties with it, uh, they are. They're kind of sticking with the books. But a part of me is also like, okay, Triss is this very sweet, um, kind of innocent younger mage who in the game would stop at nothing to protect Siri from the wild hunt and from anybody. But in the show, and the I think the problem happened in more so season two, where she's like, We can't trust Siri, she's a danger. She needs to be at one point, I think she says she needs to be silenced or killed, and everybody was pissed about that. So I think right. that's a change right. people were pissed about. But even in this season, she's kind of set aside. So there's that whole, you know, fans yeah. spewing against each other. Who do you choose, Jennifer or Triss? And both of them kind of suck, but are both kind of awesome at the same time. So that's why it's a tough choice. See, once again, it's kind of funny about The Witcher, right? Because... There's a lot of people who got their start on this with the books. So they mm-hmm. see the games as blasphemy and they see the show as, as a terrible adaptation. Then there's a huge chunk of people, basically everybody I know, got sucked onto The Witcher through the video game. They don't know what happened in the books and they watch the show, but they're mad at the show because it wasn't like the game. Mm-hmm. And then there's people like me who just came on with the show, knowing nothing about the game or the books. And I don't know... I don't know what's right. You know, they're my first thing. Right. Yeah. It's just like what you want to like. Okay. Don't try to compare it to each other. They're different universes. There's no internal consistency. The show doesn't have to be like the books or the game. The game doesn't have to be like the books. They're all doing their own thing. Mm. And it's tough. Yeah. If I, you're had awake, to make, I had to make a romance option last night and it was tough. Oh boy. RPGs, man. I know I didn't pick anybody. I didn't pick someone. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, let's just say that. <laughs> okay, got it, got it. Because there's a. Th- it's really funny. If you try to romance both of them, they'll basically fuck you over, and you end up with nobody, which That's is funny. I think is really awesome. <laughs> it's a funny cutscene that I don't want to spoil for people. But so speaking of Triss, what did you think of her and Istrid this year? They were going there. They did their investigation into. That book, which is. something, something. Tris was looking into. It was like, into, f- who cares? It was three scenes. I don't care. <laughs> like, I, was, I was more interested in, like, the missing girls plot line was kind of interesting as well. Mm-hmm. And I like how they kind of did a double twist on it. Oh, it was it was Stregobor. Oh, actually, it was Vilgefort. It's framing Stregobor. So there, mm-hmm. was, there was layers on that one. It ended up kind of interesting. And uh, it was also all those girls, all the girls that were stolen had Alvin blood and looked like Siri and were in that castle. So that mm-hmm. kind of ended up okay, but didn't really have a payoff. Whereas I liked Istrid's storyline 
with I love how he's a guy who's consumed by history and he's always looking for these artifacts and knows everything about the uh, the backstory of this world. So yeah. I just I like his character for that. He's he's really the one who tells us more about the lore than anybody. Mm-hmm. He's like the exposition dumper. And I, yeah, I whenever we need lore about like what happened in the continent or <clears throat> yeah. before the continent. Excuse me. Something's going off my voice. Uh, he's usually the guy to go to, and I like that actor. I also like his look this season. Uh, he's grown yeah. out a beard. He's got a bit of a longer hair. Looks good. Um, and I kind and we didn't mention it, but the fifth episode where they're doing the whole scheme to try to catch Stragabor, I think that was yeah. well done. Where they show, Just follow my lead. You've been trying yeah. to get with Yennefer all night. Mm-hmm. Well, so at first I, I was watching that, and I was, and my reaction was just like, "We're doing this." But yeah. then very quickly they they do a sort of a jump back in time to be like it's it was a whole scheme for the beginning. And I I like that episode. I like how they did different points of time and then later on they show those conversations later. Uh I thought it was probably a hard episode to write and a hard it episode was, to edit. Yeah. But I think they I think pulled it off really well. That episode could have been really boring if they just played it scene by scene because the mm-hmm. entire thing was set at this ball. Yeah. So they doing a non chronologically very interesting mm-hmm. way to do it. I, I liked it as an editing challenge, and I think yeah. they pulled it off decently. It gave it gave it a little bit of life for uh, season three. I thought, yeah, it was done yeah. pretty well. I thought the look, I thought the costumes were pretty good. Costumes. Oh yeah, yeah. The costumes were yeah. the best part about that. One of the best parts about that episode, getting all the fancy dresses and, and everything. I like we get back to Geralt being sassy, as he usually is. He's a bit of a sassy bloke. Um, and Yennefer's like, you have to talk to people. You have to dance. Mm-hmm. You, you have to Stop be... eating. <laughs> yeah. You got to pretend to be friendly, at least. That one witch who, like, tries to seduce her <laughs> through, like, a yeah. mind trick is hilarious. And he's just like, I think Jennifer looks lovely this evening. <laughs> Trying not to not get in trouble. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the best thing about season three is that this is the point in the show where everybody, I think everybody, has their greatest failures of the series. It breaks them all down as human beings and sets them up for redemption in season four. Like Geralt loses Siri, gets his back broken. Yennefer's mother figure kills herself, and now she's got to be a mother figure herself and rebuild the entire conclave of mages. Uh, Kahir was at his very bottom of the barrel, and now he's on the run again. Fringilla was basically just made as the wine taster, (laughs) a a complete drunk, and she had to pick herself up as well. Francesca... She hit a bottom. She hit her bottom as well. Her brother died. Her baby got killed last season. Her lover also got killed. She's she's all alone in the world oh, now. That was then, another thing I didn't like. Why the yeah. fuck would Fringilla be like, "Hey, by the way, I killed your baby." That like, was, why? What you was stupid? Yeah, I like the. There was a during that whole fight though. Um, not Fringilla. Francesca. She has her own carry moment. They do like yeah. a little reference to her. I was like, that's cool. The blood that's effect true. was insane. I was like, damn. Good job, makeup good. team. Uh, yeah, Dijkstra and Philippa, they're also, they hit their lows as well. Like, everybody in this season hit their their rock bottom at some point, emotionally or physically. 
and it sets but it sets everybody up for a really good season four and that's the thing about season three is that if you can accept it as a setup season i think it'll look better in hindsight if season four knocks all its setup out of the park season three will look like oh okay well i wouldn't have had this emotional connection if it wasn't for what they built up in season three but having watched season three through it's a little unsatisfying because it does feel all like setup. So I think how I feel about season three, I think it's fine. It's worth a watch. I like it. But it very much depends on how season four sticks the landing or not. Yeah, it's a very Force Awakens situation. <laughs> exactly. And that Force Awakens Worked out great. Up. Yeah, had a follow-up, which ruined Force Awakens for me. I hope Witcher Season 3 has a follow-up, which makes me appreciate it more. It can go Listen either way to, at this point. Let's address the Liam Hemsworth thing. I don't think it was a bad choice. Whoever totally they fine. would have chosen would have been met with criticism anyway. I think Liam Hemsworth is a decent actor, and I honestly don't think he's been given a real chance to take on anything. Uh, yes, he was brought up in the Hunger Games franchise, but again, he's Gale. So he's he's kind of set aside to it uh, as the character he is. Um, he's done a bunch of, I think, romantic comedies or just romantic movies in general. Yeah. And uh, I'm... The word is not excited. I'm interested to see what he does with it. And I've heard from... Uh, from sources <laughs> that makes me sound like I have an inside scoop, but that he's ta he's already training to look like Geralt in terms of physicality. And he's taking the role very seriously because he's no, he knows it's massive, massive shoes to fill. But yeah, yeah you know, I'm sure he'll be fine. And I hope Geralt mm -hmm. gets more to do with him next season because I feel like Geralt took a bit of a backseat this year. I feel like he was more oh, yeah. reserved than he was more reserved than even Geralt usually is. He's given fewer standout moments. He's I do think mm -hmm. he's still the moral center of the show. He's the only one who consistently is like, okay, can we just call out that you're all pieces of crap here? Mm-hmm. He's still yeah. that guy. But the reason I don't care as much as some other people do is because in my mind, he's not really the protagonist anymore. It's series story. And if you're looking mm -hmm. back from season one, it was always series story. Geralt's just kind of the biggest badass who sets it all going forward. Like him and Yen are the parental figures for Siri to live up to her full potential. And now that Siri is an adult and she's had some training, she can take over his lead. And that's part of, part of why I don't really care Henry Cavill's leaving because Geralt's not the center point anymore. He's just the moral, he's the moral pillar of the show, but it's series story. So going forward, Geralt will have a big part to play, but, you know, it's kind of like in The Mandalorian, and I know you hated it, but Din Djarin's not the protagonist of that show anymore. And a lot of people hated that, you included. I didn't care. I thought they transitioned out of him okay. He's there, he's still a big part of it, but it's not his story anymore. So I know that'll ruffle a lot of feathers, but it's Siri's story now. It, it, is just, it just it is what it is. It's not Geralt's story. So, so I think Liam Hemsworth won't, it won't be as jarring as people think. It's an interesting take. 
I'm just saying with the the recast, you know, they needed an actor to play a father figure to an adoptive daughter. They should have just casted Pedro Pascal again. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been fantastic. (laughs) Just get the third one out of the way. That would have been so good. I bet you would have done a good job too. Might be a little small, but anyway. look, look, another another example for why I think Siri is the the main character to me. No, she is. The, no, she's I, the balance. I, I agree with you on that point. Yeah, she's the balance between all walks of life on this show. She's the balance between humans and elves, humans and witchers, the mages mm. and non mages, royalty and commoners. She's done all walks of life. And she's, that's why everyone's after her for their own ends, because she's, she represents a little bit of everybody. Mm-hmm. So I agree. I think it works better here with the main character taking a back seat because it's always been about from the start about Siri. It's always been about Siri from this point yeah. where no, I'm not going to bring up Mandalorian, <laughs> but it's, a natural, yeah, it's always it's been about them. Transition. It's always been about destiny it's about their fate together, and yeah, this first three seasons, it's all been about three of them running from destiny. Where, and season three, they were like, "Yeah, our destiny is to be aligned uh, with each other and be a family." It's not the real destiny. The destiny series to bring the continent together because she is this great elven power. Where um, or destroy everything. That was all. Or destroy Boston. everything, which would she be kinda- interesting. She leaned into her dark side at the end here. Yeah. Um, and it does suck that I know how everything ends because of the games. <laughs> it just flat out tells you what happens at the end of the books. Oh, yeah. But another kind of gripe I have with this is that they did a cliffhanger with the Wild Hunt in season two. It's a small nitpick. And then they just make a cameo in season three, which was not the point for yeah, them I- to be the main villain in season three. But also... If you're not going to use them, don't show them at all. Yeah, I just wish they acknowledged it a little bit more or acknowledged their absence or people were more worried. Like, this thing is still in the background, right? Nobody cares? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Like, if if they showed up, nah, I don't know if that works in the context of the book. I actually don't care. Uh, <laughs> if they showed up during the coup at Eratusa, that would have been insane. But also probably would have been way too much to go on. But who knows? Who knows when they actually show up? Who knows when it works out? Yeah. I would be interested to see what happens. I feel I feel like they're because they casted Henry, uh, excuse me, they had casted Liam Hemsworth. They've already signed on. They're going to probably do at least a season four. And then in terms of yeah. how streaming works and ratings work, who knows? Who knows what happens? See, there was a point. In this, before season three came out and I heard Henry Cavill wasn't going to be in it anymore, Henry Cavill was my main draw going into this show. And I kind of convinced myself, you know what, I'll watch season three because that's the last one of him, but I don't think I care about this show enough to go into a season four. But having watched season three, now I'm reminded that the show has a really good supporting cast. And mm-hmm. season three made me care about the other characters and what's going on enough that I think the show can survive without Cavill. Even though he's still the highlight of it, he's the strongest performer in it. I like the other characters enough. Like, as long as we have Yaskir, Siri, and Yennefer, 
still around. Like, you know what? You got three out of the core four, and Liam Hemsworth is probably not going to suck. I think this show can survive, and I'm actually interested enough to keep going. I didn't think I would be going into season three, but I actually will watch season four. I, I have some hope for it. And I also want to talk about Yaskir a little bit, because I was mm-hmm. nearly convinced they weren't going to give us a new song from him, and I was very disappointed until the very end when we got Ride, Witcher, Ride, which I really enjoy. We... We we got another one. Joey Batty's very talented. Uh, his storyline with Radovid this year was okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't know in terms of context of lore if that's an actual thing or not, but yeah, I don't think it is. It feels, I kind of feels add-on a little bit. I just thought it was interesting that one scene when, like, Yaskir was with one of his mistresses, and it's like, oh, I've seen this look on you. You've, you know... You've had dalliances before, but you've got a crush. This is weird for you. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what? What? No, I don't, I don't care about <laughs> people that way. It's really funny. Be, uh, <laughs> and not to say, you know, his bisexuality is in, in the games and in the books as well, but it's just it funny. It didn't shock me. Yeah, it didn't shock me. Uh, there is a, you were trying to find Dan, uh, well, his name's Dandelion in the books and games. But it's it's Yasker. You're trying to find yeah. him, and the way you try and find him is you go to all his mistresses in this one town to see <laughs> if they know where he is. And there's like eight. Uh, so That's good. He's known to be a bit of a player, but yeah, he's got a bit of a crush with Radovid. So I'm interested to see, just because I've been playing the game, how his arc from... Is there a helicopter outside my house? Anyway, I don't know if you can hear that. But, uh... It's going to be interesting to see how he goes from this kind of behind-the-scenes type guy, sort of, you know, he's got a heart on him still. He wears his heart on his sleeve a little bit uh, to just where he is now <laughs> in terms of where in context for me. But yeah. yeah, season four, I'm interested in. I'm not overly hyped with it just because of how season three left me. But yeah. It's definitely the yeah. worst of the three that have been released for me. Yeah. In terms of but quality. But like I said, I think I think it'll how I how we feel about it will depend a lot on how season 4 does with what this sets up. Mm-hmm. It's the weakest now, but it could be seen as a good building block if you take season 3 and 4 together. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. But as it stands right now, yeah, little weak, little disappointing. I still say it's worth a watch though. Mm-hmm. It entertained me a lot more than other shows. That have come I liked out Amir. recently. I thought it was okay. I thought it was a little disappointing, but I also wondered if that was part of the point. I'm like, well, is he? Yeah. Are the legends? He's mostly a behind the scenes guy. guy. Yeah, I think he's mostly behind. But I, I liked how he seemed very threatening in each scene. Yeah, well, he always had the upper hand, even mm-hmm. if he didn't seem like it. He did. Yeah. But that uh, ending yeah, where it was like it was like oh here's this series back with Ymir and then it's revealed that it's not her I was like knew it <laughs> it's not because of the desert but I was like I knew they weren't gonna do this right away and yeah, a part of me was, was like a part of me was like do you not recognize your own daughter but then I realized it's like the 1200s so <laughs> well he hasn't really seen have her like she was a baby yeah exactly so, so you wouldn't know but I always I wondered how. I gotta go back and look at it because that is the same girl 
who was possessed by the witch or whatever that Geralt found and was trying was to free girl? is the exact same girl. Oh. So I always wondered, like, how did she get free? Is she, how is she here now? Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I guess Vilgefortz found her at some point. I guess. Oh, no, yeah, because Vilgefortz was, op- okay, that makes sense, because Vilgefortz was. It was his idea. Trying to make, yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay, well, that's, that's our thoughts on The Witcher Season 3. Yeah, well, a bit uh, disappointing. It is a setup season. Take with grain of salt. Rest in right. peace, Henry Cavill. <laughs> Henry Cavill. He's going to another. Yeah. yeah, he's going to another franchise which he loves, and I'm sure they will give him what he wants. I don't know. Warhammer is another one where we're both kind of like we don't know much about it, but we know there's just too much about it. <laughs> yeah, there's like so much lore that you can't really get into it. But I hope anyway. he finds success with that. Mm-hmm. If hey. not, hey, just hire him as Superman again. Uh. <laughs> Where can we find you? Just for just release the cut scene from the Flash, please. Anyway, yeah, you can find time. me at you can find me at Ryan Walker Official on TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Thoughtplay Media. Also, check out the Close Up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us on audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. We hope to see you on the next Close Up with Ryan and Joe. Till next time. Take care. It looks like rain.